Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the coach steve show podcast uh thank you guys so much for watching or listening make sure you hit the like button and the subscribe button on the coach steve show youtube channel helps out the algorithm 
Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, please give it a follow, rate it, be a friend, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Um, really helps it out, you know, leave it a review. Um, this podcast can be found, it's brought to you by the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. If you go to BillyUpSports.com and check out all the stuff there, be greatly appreciated to check out all that stuff. Um, they have podcasts and blogs and everything for everybody out there. Um, there's a show for everybody, over 70 podcasts, I believe, and there's stuff out there that's not just sports. Uh, so if you go check all that out, that will be greatly appreciated. Um, you know, this podcast is, you know, as they say, raw and uncut. So um, if you guys hear anything in the background, I apologize. Looking to upgrade some of the things going on here. As you can tell, there's, you know, we got a ticker on the video show where it shows everything, which is pretty cool. Um, but... Just looking to upgrade some things, so if you hear things in the background, I do apologize, but that's what happens when you you record podcasts. This podcast will be a little different. It's not going to be talking about something that's going on in college football, basketball, NFL, NBA. You know, this is a podcast that's kind of all over the place. As anybody, I don't have a lot of listeners. I don't have a lot of follows. Um, I would love to. I would love to be um, mediocre. Um, podcaster. Um, this podcast kind of goes all over the place because when I first created this podcast, it was to follow in the footsteps of some of the greats out there. You know, you have Ron Mackey. You now you have Nick Banstra. You have Nate Allball. You have Rick Stewart. You have um, Joe Daniels. You have a bunch of other people, and I'm missing a bunch. And I do apologize. Um, and I always wanted to kind of be an influential voice when I finally got creative or more experienced, you know, like a Kurt Hines, coach Kurt Hines and all the, and some of these guys I'm mentioning have been on my podcast a couple of times. So I've been fortunate enough to make connections with those. And when I made this podcast, it was when I originally made it, I wanted to do what I'm kind of doing now, where we talk about sports, we talk about what's going on in college football, like an ESPN thing, you know, listen to like a Pat McAfee show and everything like that. Those are the type of things that I wanted to talk about. And then COVID hit when I, after I started the podcast and it kind of turned into, well, there was no sports to talk about. So I'm going to talk to football coaches. So it turned into stuff like that, where I followed those footsteps. And then now it's kind of come full circle where I'm going to come on here and talk to, to coaches. We're going to talk about schemes, but I'm also going to talk about Illini sports. I'm going to talk about, you know, everything in college football and talk about college basketball. And so maybe that's why this doesn't get a lot of looks because, you know, it's all over the place. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, don't want to watch it, don't listen to it, don't then don't. Um, but I'm going to do what I want to do, talk about things I want to talk about. That's why it's a podcast. Uh, maybe I need to have different segments of it. I don't know. Again, I'm learning as I go. And again, when you don't make money like Pat McAfee's and the Joe Rogans, you know, it's a little difficult. But, you know, there are, there are times where I want to talk about schemes. I want to talk about everything else. And one thing I've talked about before is trying to help out young coaches. And I kind of want to revisit this because I've thought about it before and I saw something about it a couple of days ago and it made me start thinking. And um, I don't know, I don't have any factual evidence that this is true. I don't have anything telling me this is actually what's happening. But one thing I want to talk about is why possibly um, coaches are leaving the profession. Um, and you could take that as you will, or, you know, if you're talking about, NFL or college, I have no factual evidence. And I'm not even saying that's happening at those levels because they make a lot of money. And it's a, you know, if you want to call it a good old boys club and everything like that, 
because it's a recycled business. You see a lot of guys get fired and they immediately get rehired and it becomes a who you know, not what you know business. And, you know, make no mistake about it, getting to coaching, you know, high school, college. High school is not quite a business, but there is parts of it that seems like a business where, you know, you're fundraising, you're buying things, you're, you might be selling things to make money. So, you know, it is what it is. And I've have you know I'm, I'm this is gonna be like 283 episodes i believe so i've had a lot of episodes and that's not counting a new segment called geek corner where i talk about marvel but i talk about we'll talk about different entertainment i talk about star wars and stuff so not counting those you know you're we're looking at 287 or so episodes i do believe so there was episodes where i talked about coaches getting into this and what's about to happen um but there is a thing going on where you're seeing coaches leave and again i'm just speaking for the state that i live in the state that you guys live in whoever listens the four people that listen it's not going to be like that but talking because because right now i coach football at one school and i coach basketball at another but i work at the school that i coach football at but they don't play each other in sports so there's no turnover there's, there's no conflict Back in the spring, I coached track at the school I coached basketball at. And things just didn't work out this spring to, to bring me back because up here in Illinois, you know, you, it's kind of split where you have the suburbs. They kind of have their own little world. And central Illinois and southern Illinois have their own little world. Where up in Chicagoland area, they're going to have an indoor track season. And then like central Illinois, some do. You might go to one or two, but up here they're going to go to four or five. They're rolling, and that's why a lot of these teams do pretty well in track. Just the skeleton at workout. Coaching basketball, I'm still coaching basketball. You know, it's still going on. They're going to have a track meet already, so I wasn't able to make the schedule work. So I'm not going to do that, coach this track this year which, at that part. So what I did was I started looking for jobs. Well, I come to find out that there was a ton of jobs, you know, a decent amount of jobs in a radius that I was willing to travel um, because I, and I'm going to get to everything about why many people are leaving um, but I'm at a point where I feel like I should get a stipend and we're going to get all this, but just for me personally, well, cause this is what my, made me start thinking about maybe why coaches are leaving. Um, there was track jobs all over. Now I'm a thrower's coach. So if you're looking for a sprinter's coach may not be the right person, you know, I'm a offensive lineman. We ain't running. Then there's baseball jobs. I saw a ton of baseball jobs at high schools. I saw softball jobs, uh, boys, volleyball badminton like there was these coaching jobs now some were not in a radius where i was willing to travel uh my current high school they were all set up you know there was no stipends no pay left and there's nothing that's not their fault not my fault it's just it just is what it is and so you look around a certain mile radius and you do your research on the school and then you want to hopefully talk to the athletic director and the head coach and whoever but i noticed there was jobs like i've had interviews already for track jobs and baseball jobs and i talked to an athletic director and he said it's just really weird because we are hurting for coaches. Now, the type of coaches looking for time-wise, and we'll get to some of, the, some of that stuff, just didn't work out. But he made a comment saying he never seen the past like two to three years where they're always just constantly looking for coaches. Some schools are revolving door and some are not. And that's why this may not pertain to some people. Um, but it does seem like some people are leaving coaching. Whether they're, they've done it forever and it's just time to go, they get into it for a little bit and they're done, or they try and they don't. And I started to wonder why, and I have some thoughts as to why maybe people are leaving. And this will relate to a podcast before, excuse me, that I did before, talking about, so you want to be a coach. 
So these are going to pertain to that a little bit, you know, so I might repeat myself for that episode. That was probably 200 episodes ago and you kind of forget things. I forget what I say in the morning. I forgot what I said this morning. I might forget what I said eight minutes, nine minutes ago on this. Why people are probably leaving coaching. Now, again, I have no factual evidence. I go by what I see posted, I, you know, on social media. I go by my surroundings. I go by people that I talk to. People seem to be getting out of coaching. Now, my original thought was, especially for here, was COVID. COVID was a big reason why I think people were leaving, and I'll get to bigger things, but the immediate thing is I said COVID, and COVID for two reasons. One, it's COVID. People that, at the time, you know, because 2020 was crazy, we had to cancel the track season, we had to cancel the baseball seasons. Then there was barely any summer stuff. And then for Illinois, we didn't get um, – in the fall, we kind of did. I think they allowed cross-country, but they had to wear masks. Um, I think tennis might have played. I'm not sure about swimming. But those type of sports went. But the rest of them, they didn't start until the end of January, going into February. So we fit all these seasons crammed from the end of January, beginning of February, until I believe – June 5th or something like that. Like it was crazy and it's not even the state games and stuff. So you crammed all these seasons into a matter of five to six months or whatever, if it may be less. So I believe going into that, you had some people that might've been asymptomatic or, uh, you know, higher risk of COVID and, you know, the guys have been doing it for a while and they just said, you know what, these are stresses that I don't need because COVID was bad. You know, you had to do these pods, you had to make sure everybody's six feet apart. You had these, you had, there's so many rules and, twists and turns into this thing where a head coach is going to pull their hair out. I know ours did. Like, it was a lot. And so I think guys that have been doing it for a while, we know that maybe a little bit older, and they said, you know what, it's just not worth it, you know, maybe getting sick because we didn't really, you know, we didn't know things about COVID like we do now where we know exactly how to be safe and we know exactly what we're dealing with here. There's more research and study on COVID, so they understood um, then I also think another reason why people were gone, uh, started to get out of the profession. If it was a state like ours, where let's say you're a three sport coach, like I was. So I did, you know, an order of sports, I did basketball, football, and track. I kid you not. There was a couple days where I did all three in one day because in Illinois, there was an overlap. For example, if basketball started January 25th or whatever it was, it went to March 13th. But the first football practice was March 3rd. So you had this huge overlap where I would do maybe basketball and go to football or vice versa, depending on practice time. And again, I'm telling you, it's two different schools. It wasn't one where you're dealing with that. But even if you're at the same school, they kind of didn't want you doing both. They want coaches going to football and then to basketball or vice versa because of contact tracing and everything else. Again, we you know, learned a way more since then. But at the time... That's not what it was. And then you're doing a little bit of track at the same time when they're allowed to practice or weightlifting. So one time I did track, basketball, and football in one day. Then when you're done with basketball, you're fully into football. But then halfway into football, track practice started. So you're trying to do track in the morning or in football at night again, two different schools. And so then there's that huge burnout, even two sport coaches. But some of us that do three you know, they, you know, literally when we talk about back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, well, usually when they're back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, you get a week off in between or so to where you can figure your life out. This one was, oh, you're going to start during it. And I know for me personally, you know, I believe we ended track on June 5th on a Friday or the 4th on a Thursday and I had that Friday off. 
then that Saturday, Sunday off, well, then that June 7th, football was right back into summer. So we rolled right back into football. And then we had basketball, summer basketball started as well. So I was doing both once again. So for me personally, from the end of in February, because I had COVID at the end of January, beginning of February. So from February until the last week of June, I was coaching. You know, I know June is not the same as coaching, but I was doing all of that. And I got burned out. I kid you not. I would walk into a football practice in June and say basketball terms and vice versa. Like that's what was happening because summer basketball, you're doing whatever little camp we could do at the time because of COVID restrictions or scheduling because they still, depending on what school district you're in as well, they have their own rules. And then you're doing summer games. So you're doing the camp and then maybe Tuesday, Thursday, you're playing a game. Saturday, you're going to a shootout and coaching two or three games. And then football, you're doing camp, and it was we're new coaching staff put together, and we're you know, we're installing, we're, we're figuring out how to coach with each other, figuring out the kids. So it was just stuff like that. So major burnout. But then I had the whole last week of June off and going in July off, and I started to recuperate. And then you had the last week of July off of a dead period for us, and going to August and all that stuff. So it was better. You know, this year has you know going into regular season has been better. You know, we're wrapping up our basketball season. So I am tired. But for Illinois and I think other places, that type of burnout of other states that did something similar, I think, caused guys to be like, nah, that's too much. You know, didn't really realize how much time you took to coach. So I think that's the overall one recently. But then when you start to think about it, what has changed? Why maybe people are leaving? And I have a ton of thoughts, and I hope I don't bounce around too much. And if I do, I do apologize if I bounce around. I think... People are starting to leave coaching because, again, the biggest thing is pay. And I'll tell you why. Like I said earlier in this monologue or the soapbox, you want to call it, I said I don't want to go coach a spring sport unless I'm paid, whether it's track, baseball, whatever it is. Okay, is. I've been coaching 13, 14 years since I was 18, 19 years old. Okay. I volunteered. When I coached at my high school, I volunteered. I did two-a-days back when two-a-days were a thing. Um, and then going from that high school down to another high school, I volunteered at the beginning. And then finally, finally, you know, I went down there. I maybe volunteered a half a year. But since I had some experience and I was there, I was volunteering for basketball. I'm in the bas, And it's going to happen to people. And that's why I don't, you know, they got to be patient and volunteer and do things. I walked in to basketball practice one day. And the head basketball coach was also the athletic director. And I knew the head boys track coach, and he was in there talking to the athletic director. And I walk in, and I said, Steve, come here. Um, when you applied for this basketball job and we talked about, like, things you might be interested in coaching, you said track because – and baseball because you played – I played baseball, and then my senior year I threw shot and disc in high school. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, our assistant boys track coach quit – we need a track coach. You're here. We don't want to go spend a lot of time on this. Let's talk. If you want to talk about it, we'll interview and we like you. We'll, we'll give it. We'll give you a paid spot. Now, I'm a college kid, so you're telling me you're about to pay me. You know, you know. I, I think that stipend would have been thirty eight hundred dollars or four thousand. And to some people, that's not a lot, but it depends on what type of school. That's the stipend, especially when you come on year one. There's, there's, they call it steps. There's different steps, um, and experience. And they usually go by paid experience, which I don't agree with either. I think it needs to be the whole shebang. If a high school says, yeah, he volunteered here, I think that should go towards being paid. But you're a college kid, you're like, $4,000? Yes. So I took it, and so that's how you get into that paid spot. But I do. But I think guys 
want to be paid because it is a lot of work. And I'm going to speak from basketball perspective and football perspective. There's other sports I don't know because I haven't coached them. But it's a ton of time. Okay, if you look at it from football, you do the summer stuff. Now you might some schools have summer stipends. Some, you know, you're doing camps and you you know they pay for the camp and then once you give the kids their stuff, there's leftover money. You do something for the coaches. We all know it. But that's really not a lot. So if you're talking about if you're doing all stuff in June and July, then you come into August. Well, that's a lot of time and you're coaching, you know, nine weeks unless you make the play. I'm talking about from Illinois, you have nine weeks. Not counting two weeks of practice, so there's 11 weeks of the regular season. And then if you make the playoffs, there's another week. And then if you win, there's another week and another week. Well, then you get done. And I'm just taking, talking from a football perspective. Well, then you're done. Well, then you get into your offseason. Well, do you start lifting in November? Do you start in December? Whatever it is. Well, you start lifting. So you might go in there two or three days a week if you're not coaching another sport. But you've already gotten paid your stipend. If you're getting paid every two weeks during football, it goes from August or September until the end of October or whatever, and you get your full thing, then it's done. But then you're spending that time lifting. Then you spend time going to clinics. You spend time, again, going to the weight room. And then you start doing strength and conditioning. And then you got all the summer stuff. And that's not counting watching film during the season. Yeah, you practice from four to six. But then certain schools, do you have to wash the clothes? You know, do you have to deal with paperwork? You've got to watch film. You've got to come up with your drills for practice the next day. Or maybe you already have. But still, that's time. Game's over Friday night. You come in Saturday morning. you got to watch film and do some type of practice with the guys. Then you meet with your coaching staff as you watch film. That's a ton of time committed. Now, some guys say they don't do that and they figured it out. But regardless, you're doing things in the summer, you're doing things in the season, the weightlifting and all that stuff, the clinics, that's a lot of time. And some people don't want to do that for free. I've done it for free and it sucks. But we're in a point now, I think, where people want to be paid automatically. They see it like another job, like I do. It's a second job compared to what I do in the school. And that's okay, you know, to make that extra money. Because it is like a second job. It really is. The amount of time you put in, if you break down all the hours you work and the stipend you get, you might get 25 cents an hour. Like, it's really that. That's why that stipend, at some schools are bigger than others because they, you know, they take into consideration what else you do. So I think people want to get paid. Talk about basketball. I mean, basketball starts in November. Then you've got basketball tournaments. We play two or three games a day. You play 30 games. And you go to shootouts. One of our shootouts this year was two hours away. Like, that's a lot of time. And so sometimes it's to people, they want to be paid. They want to be paid. And people don't want to volunteer. You know, I don't think they like when they go talk to a football coach or a basketball coach and they say, okay, you're going to be an assistant to the assistant and you're going to have to volunteer. I don't have the money to pay you. I already have certain guys here that are paid. Or... Some that do volunteer, because when you volunteer, your your insight is going to, I'm going to get paid, whether it's at that school or you volunteer a year or two, and then you're able to have, there's another spot that opens up, you apply for it, the head coach puts a good one for you, and you're able to get paid. Some schools I know where guys volunteer, and then the moment a stipend opens up, they're going to give it to that person and not hire another person. So there's just those type of situations. We're in a moment where people want to get paid. And I get it. It's nice to get that anywhere from three thousand, whatever type of stipend you get, upwards of like eight, nine thousand dollars for an assistant, and coaches get ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. It's just, it's just good. I understand it, but it's not going to happen, guys. 
you're probably gonna have to volunteer. If you do walk into a stipend spot, good. I know plenty of people. We have a guy on staff that did that. He's a first year teacher, walked right into a stipend. Great. Good coach. Good guy. Deserves it. Walked right into it because that's, you know, that's, that's part of it. They want to be paid. I think another reason why we're not seeing coaches is the whole education thing. And this is a broad thing. And I've talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it again. And I'm speaking for Illinois. As far as my knowledge goes, we are on the verge of a teacher shortage in Illinois for a couple reasons. One, people don't want to be teachers as much as they used to. Because in Illinois, we have, you know, you go through school, you take the classes. Well, then we had a thing called the basic skills test, which was the college version of the ACT where the questions and stuff mean absolutely nothing. And a lot of people used to pass. I think 80, 70, 80% used to always pass. Then you take that and then your content test, you know, you do your practical methods and student teaching and, and then you pass those, you're on your way. Well, then there was too many teachers. Well, then they made the basic skills harder and you had to pass more. And it got down to where less than 20% were passing and schools were not producing. Like the school I went to, the high school right down the street used to always get these student teachers. And then a matter of three years, they had two right down the street. So people that for Illinois, people were not going into being a teacher. Now we think that we have to work in the schools and teacher to be a teacher, to be a coach. Now, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I don't agree with that. I don't think you have to be a teacher. Now, when you're a coach, you're a teacher. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about you don't have to work in the building of a high school to be a good coach and understand the X's and O's and know how to build relationships with kids and know how to speak to the kids and get the best out of them. I've never agreed with that. The only good thing about working in the building where you coach at is the kids are in the school. If you do have to recruit, it makes it just a little bit easier because you're already in the building and just time. Okay, and that's another thing. Coaches, since there are no coaches, some coaches have to be flexible with time. So if school gets out at three, but you have three coaches that you want to have on staff that can't get there till 345, well, you can't practice 345, so you have to adjust. Some will start at 330, and they just have to get there and do what they can, and coaches make that adjustment all the time. Example, the basketball, right, coach basketball. They get out of school before I get out of the school that I work at. But they, there's two of us, so we've adjusted where I can show up after practice starts, but then the other coach can leave, or I'll go do the weight room, and he can get out of there, and we make up the time so it all works out. Or like I coach the B games, and I help him coach the A games, so I help out. And they're great. it's a great place to coach basketball. They're great coaches, and they work. And, and the head coach said something to me. He's, he's taught me a lot and, and things and said, he, he goes, as a head varsity coach, I have to be able to work with the assistants if we want them here. And it makes me feel good that he says, I want you here, so we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work to where you earn the stipend. We're going to make it to where you are, we're doing almost the same amount of time of work, and it'll all be fine. And so he makes those, he tweaks those and makes it work. And I said, you know, I'm, a, I'm grateful. Some coaches don't do that because they really want to find the guy that with time. And that that's probably the real big thing about working in a school is you don't have to worry about like another job taking somebody to overtime. You know, like if you work outside of a school and your job says, oh, you got to stay and work, but it, and it's overtime, then you can't make it to practice. Now, I think those type of people need to go to their work and say, hey, I'm going to coach football, so I'm off of work at 3, I'm leaving at 3. If I have to stay 
It has to be told to me ahead of time. Like, make that work. Don't don't just assume that you're never going to have overtime or anything else. Because believe me, I didn't work in a school. Where, I've never worked in a school where I've coached football at until this year. Ever. I worked either at another school. Uh, I didn't work in a school at all. I had a third shift job. I made it work because I want to coach and I wanted to work hard at it and I wanted to get better at it. But I don't believe you have to be a history teacher, a PE teacher, a math teacher, a science teacher in order to be a good basketball coach, track coach, baseball coach, football coach. I've never believed that. Again, the only advantage about working in a school is your work schedule. And then some believe you have to work in the school to recruit the kids. This is true and not true at the same time. How many of you are head football coaches have a lot of these kids in your classes? It depends on the size of the school. If it's a small school, yes. If it's a big school, no. No, you don't. Now, it does give you a little bit of flexibility to walk around and go talk to some kids and everything else. I get it. I 100% get it. But let me ask you this. Remember when you played, I played at a small school. And I loved playing for my head coach. But it was a small school of 300. I had him for homeroom, PE. And then you might have him for study hall because football coaches, sometimes, you know, you get that. Or, you know, maybe you do regular PE, weightlifting PE. You, you see that guy three times a day. Then see him at football practice. At some point, you're going to get tired of seeing him during football. And it's nothing offensive. It's not that you hate him so much. It's just like you're always around. You know, and at these bigger schools sometimes, you won't see that head coach unless he comes find you, but you're having just a conversation. You can have these type of conversations with him on the field. Doesn't mean... So I've never believed that you have to be an educator to be a good football coach at all. I've seen great football coaches in high school that were not teachers. They were pro officers. They were realtors, insurance, something like that. And they were good football coaches. They understand X's and O's. Uh, They know how to talk to kids. They know how to get the best out of them. Don't have to be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Don't have to be. Never believed. And for me, a couple years ago, I worked at a middle school in a district, coached football at a different district. I got out of school at 3. They got out of school at 3.15. So I was able to get to practice because it was maybe a 15-minute drive by the time they get out of school and they're getting to practice. Uh, sometimes we have study hall because it was a low-income school. I, it worked out great scheduled-wise. But I, I sit here and I'm not trying to talk me up. I was the offensive line coach there. I like to walk away and believe I had a good relationship built up with those guys just seeing them. From 3.30 or 4 till 6.30 or 7. Monday through Friday. 
Well, Friday a little bit later. Then you see him on Saturday. I had a good relationship built with those guys. I firmly believe that. And them having rough home lives just made it more. And made me realize how to talk to kids more. So I never sat here and said I have to be in the school. Because I'll give you an example. I'm in the school I work at now, coach football at. Get many times I see all those football players like in a class or walking through the hallway. Not really. Not a lot. Because we're spread all over the place. It's a big school. You know, there's over 2,000 kids. So it's a D, it's three-level school if you count the basement, four-level. And, you know, you don't see them all the time. And what about the coaches that might work at a grade school or middle school and coach at the high school? That's happened. They, I mean, yeah, they could tell them to go play at the high school, but you're not in the high school recruiting. You could have somebody do that for you. So I never believe that. But I think that's another reason why, because people want to hire teachers to be the coaches in the building. And if people aren't going to be teachers, you're not going to have it. Why aren't people being teachers? Well, in Illinois, it was the stupid testing. But then people also don't want to be, a lot of teachers quit during COVID. They were tired of some of the policies. They were maybe a little worried about it because we didn't understand COVID at the time. Um, Parents, some of the parents I have been around great parents. Some, you know, yeah. Me, personally, been around really good parents. Now, I've had some. Yeah. But some of the things with parents, they just don't want to deal with anymore. Times have changed. And I'm not going to dive too deep, too deep into that to get myself in trouble. I mean, where I'm at right now, don't really have parents really doing anything to us. But you see stories about parents cursing out coaches, parents, because their kid didn't get playing time. They're calling for the coach to be fired. Um, now, coach, you know, players win games and coaches can lose them. But, you know, I, and I've seen it and it's happened to me where you have a good relationship with the kid. You guys are laughing. You know, you, you're getting them to play hard. You guys have these conversations. But maybe they're not playing a lot. But you have that relationship with them. The parent is trying to live through the kid. And the parent's going to get mad. And the parent will get mad because their kid might be playing and their kid is fine with it. And the parent's going to go after the coach because they're living something through them. Now, parents just want their kids, you know, to do well, to be the best they can be. But sometimes, you know, I'm sorry, Joey's just not that. It's just not. Or maybe, you know, they're not playing at all. Maybe they play, I don't know. Parents are, you know, could cause issues. And that's why people got out of teaching. And we won't dive any more into that, but there's reasons why people aren't becoming teachers either. I think I remember seeing in Texas going into the year, there was like a thousand teaching jobs or not, maybe more than that, that were open in Texas. And Texas pays well and has less taxes. That's a great place to live. So people just aren't being teachers. And it's hard. For, in some places, also because of teachers, is the pay. Starting pay could be twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. People are like, well, don't want to do that. Some places closer to suburbs and cities, they pay more. But then if you try to live there, it's more expensive. So it's just this weird thing. So I think that's another reason why people, there's not people in coaching because people are leaving teaching. They're going to do something else. Because um, a lot of stuff, curriculums, Dealing with the board, dealing with this and that. It's always constantly changing, especially with COVID, especially in Illinois. My goodness. You know, our government is a joke. Guy running the state's a joke. 
The stuff's going on can be a real joke. And so people just don't want to be teachers. People that are in teaching and they've been it for a while um, seem to be staying. Um, but then the problem is going to become when they all retire is there people to replace them. And, you know, Illinois is on the verge of having teacher shortages, teaching assistant. There's already a teaching assistant shortage because they don't get paid enough. There's going to be a teacher shortage. you got to have incentives for them to be teachers. But when some teachers don't feel respected, okay. But we're diving down to a teacher hole, and I don't want to do that. We're talking about coaching. I think another thing is they don't realize the time it takes and the work either. And it goes hand-in-hand with the pay. Like I talked about football already, the time it takes – Basketball takes a lot of time. And I think they just don't want to, once they get into coaching and they realize, you know, what it takes of the time, they don't want to do it, especially if they're doing it for free. They don't want to do it. And I also think they don't want to start at the bottom. And I've talked about this before. I lucked out. And so maybe I have no room to talk about this. I didn't start my coaching career coaching at the lower level of youth. I didn't start coaching freshmen. I always assisted JV varsity. My head coach at my high school, when I volunteered and I helped out, said, you're going to be around us and you're going to learn. Now, there were times in two-a-days where I I remember when there was a new freshman coach hired and they brought the original head freshman coach up to help out and be JV varsity. They hired a new – they promoted the assistant freshman coach to be the head coach and they got a new assistant coach. We ran the the option. We were under center and – um, he was having a hard time grasping it, and I played offensive line and defensive line in high school. And I remember my coach saying, hey, Steve, why don't you go down and help the freshmen today because I understood the offense, and he said, go help them. So I was down there, and I literally helped quarterbacks learn how the, the reads look. I was helping that coach learn, and I'm 18, 19 years old telling this 24-year-old exactly how to do this. And this is not a brag on me either, okay? There's a ton about football I don't know, a ton of offense I don't know. But for that offense that I was around in for four years, I understood it. Um, get into the coaching side of it, I could see everything and watched how they coached quarterbacks, watch how they coached the running backs and the fullbacks and how the read worked. And so I was able to do that. So I never started there. I helped out a little bit for those days. And then when I went down to the next school, again, I was JV varsity practice together. That's what it was. I've always been around that. And that was my goal. I had goals. I want to be a coach when I was 14, 15 years old. And I said, I want to coach high school. I want to coach varsity. I want to be an offensive coordinator. I want to be a head high school coach. And maybe get into college coaching. Then once I started to figure out how you need to get in college coaching, it just wasn't that. It just wasn't for me. Well, I should never say never. You never say never. But it was a part of it. And I didn't come in. I did. A part of me when I was volunteering, then I went to the next school. A part of me wanted the keys. And I wanted the keys to be an offensive coordinator. But when I went to the next school, Coach Coach Hogan, at the next school he just got the job, and I said, I went up to him, and I said, I want to coach. You know, this is my background. He said, okay, I'll get back to you. Two days later, I saw him in the weight room because I was coaching track. And he said, okay, I want to bring you on. You've only coached offensive, defensive line, right? Yeah. You're going to coach linebackers. You're going to coach running backs. You're going to call defense for the JV team, and you're going to help out the varsity defensive coordinator. And I threw a little bit of fit when I went home because I'm like, I want to coach offensive line. I want to coach defensive line. I could be an offensive coordinator. We're going to run this, this, and this. And I quickly learned that I didn't know anything. And I quickly learned how, you know, what I learned being around varsity JV to bring into this. 
my path was a little bit harder. I feel if I would have started at freshman, it would have got me maybe to where I wanted to quicker, believe it or not, because it would show like, oh, you were at the freshman, you understand fundamentals, you understand X, Y, and Z and ABC. It's going to get me to you need where you want quicker. I think I, I truly believe that. I became an offense coordinator at the age of uh, 25, maybe. I think it was 25, and that's kind of young. Some are younger, but then I became an offense coordinator. So I started at 18, and you're 25, okay? And it was thrown at me. You know, that's a whole other story. Um, And offense coordinator. And I was, you know, so I think that people want to get right to that. Even though I never started at freshman, I didn't do all that stuff. I still coached JV and I helped out the varsity. So JV was kind of, yeah, I think people, when they play football, because I had that mindset, I'm trying to tell you this right now. I had the mindset after football, I could go do that, be at the varsity and be a coordinator. I'm sorry, you high school kids, and I'm very sorry to say this. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. You play your position. You understand what you're taught. And for most of it's probably right. All of the coaches I've talked to on here are doing the right things. You don't know. You don't understand how to talk to players. You don't understand that each player is going to talk to different. So people have to understand when you get into coaching, well, one, you probably don't get into coaching until you're 21, 22. If you go to college, you're not going to do it until you're 21 or 22. I recommend that you do it in college. If you're not playing college ball, you're just going to school, or you're just working, you're going to make it work, start right away. If you're 18, 19 years old, start it. So that way you can get to that point quicker. You may have to do it with freshmen. You get the volunteer stuff out of the way, especially when those beginning years of college. Then when you're done, when you're 21, 22, or longer plans, 23, you're good. You've learned. I learned when I was 18 trying to coach 16-year-olds how to talk. I had to do that. I don't think some of these younger guys are coming to coach and want to do that. They want to come in. They're going to talk to these kids the way they were coached. They're going to talk to these kids the way maybe their college coach did it. They're going to talk to the kids the way they think that's the right way to do it. They want to come in and be a varsity coordinator. They want to come in and do this because they feel entitled. Trust me, because I thought that until I got an ass kicking. That's not how it works. And X's and O's are great. That is going to help you in high school. High school is still a who you know, sometimes not what you know business. I built relationships in coaching, and I still do that around the area. Because you, I have no plans on leaving where I'm at now. But you have to keep relationships because you never know when that person is going to become a head coach and say, Steve, or they become an athletic director, Steve, we want you to be the head coach. Steve, we want you to do this. And if it becomes a big opportunity, you know. And that's where the who you know part but in high school, it also becomes what you know. That person ain't going to call me if I don't know a little bit of something, and I don't. Every coach I've had on my podcast knows more football than I do. But you got to understand, people are not going to coaching because they get into it. They have to volunteer. They're not going to get paid unless they get into it somehow, and if you do, great. But then, even if they do get paid, they want to be a coordinator. And then they're going to come in with all these great ideas and not fundamentally know you can't have 150 plays. You can't have six or seven or eight different versions of this coverage, especially at high school. Now, if you're in Texas, whatever, I'm speaking about Illinois. These are reasons why people are getting out of coaching for these type of reasons. Same thing with refs. That's a whole other issue because of the ref shortage. 
And I think the biggest thing is time as well. I've said already, but it's time. The amount of time, especially football, but I coach basketball, the amount of time it takes. They would rather go out and do something on a Saturday. Well, you got to coach this this sophomore game. Uh, we got to watch film together. We got to come up with a game plan. And then the gray hair causes tons of gray hair. But these are reasons why I think people are getting out of coaching. To me, coaching is the best profession. It's the best profession. But it takes work. Like, I didn't just come into it. Like I said, I coached at my high school. And I was coaching players that were on my varsity team playing with me. Whether they were sophomores or juniors at the time when I played. Some I'm friends with. And that almost hurt our friendships because I'm now a coach yelling at you. It was rough. It was real rough. And that's why I should have been maybe with the freshmen. Now, I'm fully grateful for how my journey went at that time to start with that. But again, all of our paths are different. But I had to learn that quote-unquote old-school ways don't, ha- don't work with every kid. There's some kids you could just lay into them. There's some kids you can't. And you learn those from just doing it. And figuring out the kids. When you become a I told, I think the players or something, when you become a coach, you automatically get a degree in being a profiler and psychologist because we can read, we can look at a kid and know exactly what's going on. Well, not maybe not quite down to the finer details. That kid's not going to have a good practice today because of how he is right now. His body language is telling me that. Her body language is telling me that. That's what's going to happen. that kid right there is going to have a good day because of his body language. It's going to be a great practice. And also a psychologist. Sometimes they'll come talk to you before they talk to their parents. And if you're just a person in the coaching thing to move up for your own... Now, part of it's personal. I think we all secretly, some of us, yeah, I would love to be a coordinator. I'd love to be a head coach. And I learned very quickly, when a kid comes to you, knocks on the door, sits down on the chair, says, Coach, at home is not good. I want to talk to you. You're going to shut the door. You're going to put that head coach thing because you're watching film. Your ex is an Owen. You're, you're, you're texting another coach about what's going on, about this play, about this thing. You and, and, and if you're truly just worried about being a coordinator head coach, you're going to tell that kid, hey, I'm busy. I'm working on something. You turn that off and you sit down and you talk to that kid. I just think people don't want to give the time. It's hard. Being a football coach is hard, baseball coach is hard, track coach is hard because of the time and the commitment. Track meets are hours long. You might have two or three in a week. You have to run them. And sometimes you're going to look at the money you get and you go, was that worth it? And it's nonstop. Coaching is 24-7. Some of the people that work in schools are there from 8 in the morning till 3 o'clock. And when 3 o'clock hits, they're done. Now they might go home and worry about some of the kids, but they're done. How many how many people in districts do you hear about? Well, we don't check our emails when we go home. Football, you can, sports, you are not allowed to do that. Because if a kid trusts you enough... They're going to send you a remind message. They're going to text you. They're going to email you. Or they're going to call you. 
Now, am I exaggerating a little bit with high school? Yeah, maybe. Colleges is way more. But coaching is never done. Never done. The kid, because I tell kids all the time, I will do what you, I will help you however I can. Let's just say a kid gets a flat tire and they're afraid to call mom and dad because of the money for the tire. And they're having a problem getting the tire changed and they don't know and they say, they, someone calls me, Coach Steve, blah, 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 blah. I'm right there. Do you think some people that work in education do that all the time? No, it's coaches. Coaches do that. That's why I think you're a teacher. Obviously, as a coach, you're a teacher. But there is a difference between education in the building teacher and there's a difference between on the field, on the court teacher and coach. I We're just seeing people leave. Now, it's not, I'm not talking about like, oh my God, we've seen 80% of coaches gone. No, but when I talk to athletic directors and they're like, yeah, there's just, there's coaching. And then sometimes it's on those type of people where they want, just want to hire people in the building. But there's great people that didn't go to school. There's great people that didn't become teachers. They went for something else. And they're good coaches. They understand the game. They understand how to talk to players. They understand how to talk to the kids. They understand what to get the best out of them and coach well and, and have success. And sometimes we just put that level line on it saying, well, they have to be in the building because of X, Y, and Z. No. Adjust. If there's a person that you that has a resume and the record speaks for himself and they're good coaches, you got to get them. You got to get them. But I think that's also a thing that deters people away. When you don't go into education, you're not going to be a teacher. Well, hell, how are you going to get the job when they don't want to hire you when you're not in the building? What, are you going to send them back to school for three years to get the teaching thing and then you'll hire them? It's not going to work. I think social media is deterring people away from coaching as well. Social media is fantastic. I get a, a lot of stuff off of there for coaching. That's how I talk to coaches. It's great. But when things get filmed out of context and put on social media of coaches, that deters coaches have stopped away because they're like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do the phones. I can't do how we don't have support in the rules. I don't want to be filmed and put on social media. Look at the Joe Rogan thing. Things cut up or filmed a certain way. There we go. And that's that's just a broad example, but there's others. Kids are crazy with the social media because now kids, when you film someone like that, you know you can't do that, right? Those that's a big issue. And I just think all these pile on, and when a young person comes in and they don't understand what's about to happen. And they get into it and they go, I'd rather just go home. And I feel like that a lot. Man, I can't wait to go home. Can't wait to be out of practice. But you can't let the kids see that because you're telling them to run. You're telling them to do this. You're telling them to do that. They don't want to hear that, man. They don't want to to hear that from their coach. So all these things just pile on and, and coaches are leaving. And I don't know how you keep them. You know, it's an overall thing of, you know, you just have to hire the best person for the job, regardless if they're going to be in the building, regardless of whatever. They're the best person you feel like for the kids and the program. Hire them. Figure it out. Turn over rocks. Figure it out. But if also you're coming into coaching, 
the amount of work you put in shows how good you want to be because how good you're going to be and what the work you're going to do is going to translate over to the program. Just what it is. You know, you go to the clinics and learn. I get on here and talk to coaches and figure out things. I'm asking questions. Coach Rudolph, the offensive line coach at Ohio University, I might text him a question and be like, it might be the dumbest question of all time. What for work do you do on inside zone? He'll send me a message. Because I'll go out of my way and bother people to ask questions. And they might be dumb questions. I just had a podcast with Coach Timmerman and did wide zone. He and I already talked about it, and I researched it. I'm asking him questions. It's something I already knew the answer to. Because I said it, and he goes, you know it. <laughs> like, so I'm asking dumb questions, but I'd rather know. But I'm putting, I'm trying to do the work outside of that to show the kids. If I'm going to ask you to go out there, put on the pads and hit, I'm going to ask you to go out there in basketball. We're going to rub it down the court for 20 minutes and do this. Um, in baseball, we're going to do the X, Y, and Z and ABC. Then I'm going to show you the type of work I'm putting in. And people just, just, they just don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They want to be paid. They want instant gratification. They don't want to volunteer if they have to. They want to immediately be top dog. They don't want to put in all that extra time. And when you put in the extra time, then you get where you want to go. Some want to look cool. Some want to be this. But then there's also fundamental things of we just don't have teachers and we have we put under this umbrella where people want to be, they have to be teachers in a building to be a coach. And people can argue with me or disagree with me on that and that's fine. It depends on your experiences. I think that's why people are leaving. So as coaches, as a community, we got to figure out how we keep them. And we may not be able to. We may not be able to do any of that because we're not there in those situations. And I feel bad because I think people that are leaving, some are leaving for personal reasons. Some are leaving for not good reasons. But at the end of the day, you can't keep people here. This is not an easy job. But I know for me, I think I was put here to coach. I am not a great coach by any stretch of the imagination. But I try to strive to be better at it. I think I was put here to coach. It's what I enjoy doing, even though days that I'm tired, I get four hours of sleep. You had a bad day at school and you're dealing with this. Go to practice. You might have a bad practice. But I'd like to think that I still care because we have a bad practice. I go home and I go, how can we make it better? And I got told one time by a coach that even though this is causing you to have gray hair and it's causing you to have headaches, causing you to stay up, the fact that you're going home saying, how can I make this easier? How can I get better? Shows that you care and I thought about it and I was like, okay. So that's just more clarification. This is what I'm put here to do. So I hope people out there that are on the fence of not coaching think back and reflect. Why are you thinking about getting out of coaching? Are you thinking about getting into coaching? Think about all that stuff before you go and waste your time and their time. But I am going to tell you this, if you've made it this far in this podcast, coaching is the most, one of the, not the most, there's other things out there, but it's one of the most rewarding things. Wins and losses, yeah, they're great. If you go nine and oh, they're great. 10 and oh, they're great. You want to stay title, they're great. But when you're dealing with kids that have rough home lives, and they're looking to you to get away from that out of their minds for two hours, three hours. When you can make them laugh. When you can help them feel accomplished. Like, man, you did it. You 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 tackled him perfectly. Man, you hit 10 free throws in a row, man. Oh, man, did you see that ball? Man, you lift just a little more and it's going to go over the fence. And you're going to be hitting dingers. You're going to be hitting home runs. 
man, you threw the shot put this far, but I guarantee with this because you've got it in you. To make them feel good is so rewarding. To make them feel good about themselves. To help them get through life. To help them get through whatever they're going through is rewarding. But you got to put in the work. you got to understand what you're about to do. You have to realize, yeah, sometimes stipends are great, especially if you do three sports. But if you actually break down to how much you work and the money, you make more money somewhere else. So you have to understand where what what's about to happen. Um, way longer episode than I thought. I don't even know if I got to everything I wanted to, but... That was something that was on my mind. I wanted to get off my chest. Podcasts are great for that. Um, if you want to listen to the whole thing, thank you so much. I mean, that's great. Again, please hit the like button, subscribe button on the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast, follow it, rate it, be a friend, tell a friend, leave a review, all that good stuff. Uh, please and thank you. It would be greatly appreciated to help support the show. Check out all the affiliates in the description below. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching. This is Coach Steve, episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Be safe out there. Uh, get into coaching. Uh, and until then, I am out of here. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.